0: Thank you for listening to the first 2022 episode of the non-roster invitees, a sports podcast. Find us on Twitter at the NRI podcast. That's at the NRI podcast. We haven't posted much lately as we've been on our holiday break. We'll get back to that this week. Probably have some more bets posted at some point that we'll lose, likely on playoff football, but we'll talk more about that later. Brandon Buzzkirk is my co-host. I am Ben Phelps. Uh, We are the two amateurs bringing you this little podcast brandon christmas break is a time when my brain is so fried from work i tend to become a lump on the couch and i just binge a lot of shows highlights for me over this break cobra kai season four and crime scene the Times square killer both of those happen to be on netflix i have a lot of thoughts on both of these but i first like to know over break what'd you binge uh yeah so we didn't get to my box because number three question in my box
1: is what's the best thing you watched the last two weeks so you didn't know that. Oh. You didn't know that because that's just what we do. Well, let's we're, pause. We're then. starting well, in 2022, pause. and we're already stealing bits from each other because we don't talk about it. We just want to kind of keep it a little suspicious about what we're going to bring to the table during our pod. And uh, there we go. Perfect.
0: All right. So I'll hold my thoughts. I gave my answers, but no thoughts. So we'll get to that in the box. <laughs> Love it's. It honestly, it gets creepy sometimes. It just does. But anyway, Brandon, a lot has <laughs> happened in the world of sports while we were on break. So we have. Much, much to get to this week. The College Football Playoff Championship game is upon us. For those of you listening, the first day this episode's available, it is tonight that that will happen. Uh, Of course, we're recording on Sunday, though. We'll also look at the early wave of NFL Week 18 games last week of the regular season, and we'll provide all the playoff scenario updates we can as they're happening while we record. We'll also give you the latest news we can provide which sadly isn't much in major league baseball and we'll have our usual segments satisfied and smiling and grinds my gears but first brandon's box of mystery topics brandon's box of mystery topics brandon's box of mystery topics it's a
1: mystery brandon's box of mystery topics starting out 2022 And the first two topics we're starting off with, we're starting off with a dumpster fire and we're starting off with a hot mess of the situation because we have to starting off in 2022. So first off, Ben, let's just dive into the Antonio Brown situation first uh, and foremost because he can't stop talking is is what it is. And he just has to blame anyone everyone goes. So for the folks who don't know what's going on in sports, in the third quarter of the last game Um, There was, I guess, some miscommunication or Bruce Arians wanted him in the game. He said that he had a toe injury. He couldn't go in. And so Tom Brady apparently said something to him. And so instead of just being, you know, a a, a normal human adult and handling however you want to handle, he decided he's going to pop off his top, take off his church shirt, throw it into the crowd, run off in the stands. By the way, his ankle looked fine running, by the way, jumping, running, all that stuff. Gave the peace to the crowd. I mean, the game is going on. (laughs) Running across the end zone and then leaves. and. That's how Antonio... I've never seen that in my... I've been on the earth for 37 years. I have never seen anyone do that in sports.
0: Um, The closest I can think of is an old hockey movie called Slapshot, where some dude starts skating on the ice and takes off his clothes. But that was in the 70s, and that was definitely not real life. So that was kind of my thought. Like, they break in with the highlight of that. I was like, wait, this this isn't a commercial. This is happening. (laughs) But, oh my gosh, Antonio. There's so much with this, Brandon. Like... The first thing, like, obviously, this is not rational behavior. There's no, I don't know how you explain it. Um, It was interesting, though, that, like, Bruce Arians feels like he kind of changed some details about the story from game day to later his press conference. So maybe there is something going on there. But, Antonio, what are you doing? If they're pumping you full of a painkiller that you're not comfortable with, just sit there quietly and refuse to go in the game. You look like a fool in the moment, but if the Bucs are actually lying about things, they're going to talk themselves into a corner. They're going to come out looking like idiots. You're still going to have a job getting paid to play football, Brandon. I I don't understand. And then correct me if I'm wrong, Is and maybe I am wrong on this, but wasn't it kind of Brady behind like getting Brown a shot with the Patriots, getting a shot with the Bucs? So even if you're frustrated with him, don't, Don't you want to at least leave him out of this if you're a rational person? Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't know how
1: much you know Bruce Arians has dealt with Antonio Brown antics like in the locker room at practice that may not have come to light because he said he was going to give Antonio Brown no more chances and then the fakes vaccine card came out and he got suspended and Bruce Arians still brought him back because I think that Tom Brady still wanted to bring him back. So it seemed like, like we just got over that story and then this happens. It's just... But this is what Antonio Brown did in Pittsburgh, and this is what he did in New England, and now this is what he did in uh, with um, Tampa Bay. So it's like the track record that's fallen Antonio Brown, regardless of what happened with Bruce Arians or the shady business, if Tampa Bay was really trying to get him to play on on a hurt foot, I don't really know. But the fact that he has his track record and he does this, it just, it's just not a good look.
0: Well, and I've I've heard a couple takes from people, and I'm not going to name them by name. I mean, we're a small podcast, I'm not – not that they would ever probably know anyway but just trying to be professional i guess on our part even though we're amateurs but like i've heard the take that brown's past shouldn't have a bearing on our opinions on what happened on that day if the bucks are lying or not and i'm like that, maybe that's true but from a human side of things like i'm sorry your 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 past does come back to haunt you how you control yourself or handle yourself in these matters, it it I don't know. Brown Brown's got a track record of being unstable, I guess, and so yeah, it's it like bizarre. I still can't believe like that actually happened on live yeah. television.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the you know, that that actually happened, and there's no. I mean, have you ever have you had him come out and he say that like one I shouldn't have do, done that. Two, I apologize for doing that. Three, maybe that wasn't the right action. But the Bucks, like, has there any been any sort of him coming out saying like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gone it about that way. <laughs>
0: No, it's yeah. kind of just been profanity laced yep. tirades on podcasts. Yep. Like our friend of the show, Cy posted a clip and is like, Yeah, I the guy's in trouble. That's all I can say. And I one interesting thing that's been brought up, and I I we're not scientists, we're not doctors, we're not making any claims, but it is interesting to consider. You look at interviews pre Vontez Perfect with the Bengals and that di- that was a dirty, yeah. dirty yeah. hit he laid yeah. on Brown. The way Brown handled himself on camera before that and after, there has definitely been a decline. You hope it's not because of concussion stuff, but man, wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know the last interview he was talking about. He just he seems jealous of Gronk and Brady's relationship, and then that Brady's only his friend because he's a good football player. It's like where
0: is all this? Where is this coming from? It's just weird. It's just weird. And even if that's true, who cares? You yeah. want to make money and win football games? I want to make money and win football games. We don't have to be friends. Let's just go do that. I mean, I think from a human, humanistic standpoint, we can both say that like, we're a little bit
1: worried for Antonio Brown and feel kind of bad about the situation because it's not rational behavior for a grown man that he's doing, and he just keeps digging himself deeper. It's like I'm, I'm a little bit nervous for his mental health.
0: Well, and you, you also like, cause we don't know Antonio Brown. We, all we have is the information from the outside. We have no idea what goes on in his home behind closed doors, but you just, you hope someone in his inner circle that there's people, people hopefully, or at least a person that's going, Hey man, let's, let's sit down. Let's calm down. Let's get rational. We could be ending the, you could be ending your career over this.
1: So my next question is, he he says he still wants to play, but with this incident now, do you see anybody picking, I mean, he can still play, obviously, but do you see anybody picking him up next year?
0: It would have to be a situation where you have, like, the strongest of strong veteran leadership in your locker room, so along with the coaches, you can sit down with him and say, look, this is a... This is a no strikes and out thing. If there's even a hint that you're pulling something, that things are going to go weird, that there's something in the media that's going to be a distraction, we're done. But, yeah. but I think it would have to, I don't see it happening, but that's the only case where I see it working out.
1: Yeah, I know. I can just see like one coach thinking that they can fix Antonio Brown because that's, that's some of the coach's mentality. Like if Urban Meyer was still a coach, Urban Meyer has enough hubris. He'd be <laughs> like, yeah, I'll bring Antonio Brown in because I can fix him. I can dig to him. That is a thousand percent true. All right. Moving on from that dumpster fire, let's get to the next hot mess. I don't know. I know you don't follow the world of tenants too much, but have you been checking out this Novak Djokovic story at all? Have you seen it?
0: All I know is that he was under Australia's uh, vaccine COVID guidelines, was denied entry, and so he can't play in the Australian Open now, correct?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of it, – it's under um, review right now. So, like, yeah, so he tried to enter the country with a, with his uh, passport. He's not vaccinated. Australia says you have to be vaccinated to come play the Australian Open. He's the reigning champ for the Australian Open, so it's kind of important. He's getting up there, you know what I'm saying? He wants to play. Uh, he was denied entry, and so now they're kind of fighting it, and they're, they're saying that uh, – Um, I guess there's a little stipulation of you've had COVID in the last six months because you have those antibodies, you can still play. And now they're trying to bring papers to say that Novak Djokovic had it last month, COVID. And so they're kind of – right now it's still in limbo of whether he can get in or not in. But it's kind of funny that Rafael Nadal came out and was like, bro, we we have all known – how how to get into Australia for the past months. Like this is nothing new. Like Novak Djokovic knew what he had to do to go into Australia. And so the fact that he just comes in now, it just kinda seems like the Aaron Rodgers mentality of I'm a big sports star and health rules don't apply to me.
0: Yeah, and it's it'll be interesting to see how they do that like cuz from the start and again, we're not taking sides here. We're not getting, I mean we all have Brian and I have our personal feelings, but we leave it out of the show cuz we don't want to alienate <laughs> listeners cuz we don't have that money for many frankly. <laughs> true, uh, true. but but Australia from the start, they've been as as I would say I guess conservative on this, meaning like meaning they've taken COVID seriously yep. from the start. They've yep. had serious lockdown policies. They they have not messed around with this thing. From the beginning, like you said, Nadal says from the start, we know this, but I wonder if if Djokovic is seeing like, like the NCAA, the NFL both said like what they count as immunized right now is if you've had COVID, I forget, I think the NCAA just said if it's been in the last 90 days, you're good for the next few months. So I, I wonder if he's, you know, thinking he can play that card. That, But, yeah, that's certainly a situation to watch because I don't even know tennis that well. I know Djokovic is one of the biggest names in the yeah, sport. Yeah, so
1: it will be interesting, yeah, because uh, it's coming up soon. And I think that hearing is going to be pretty soon. It has to be because Australian Open is coming up of whether he's going to be able to play or not. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that could be my grinds my gears. It just grinds my gears a little bit that we're all human, but you get to a certain level of stardom, and you think that rules don't apply to you anymore, and that just kind of grinds my gears. Like, we're all human. Just follow the rules.
0: Well, and like you said, like Nadal said, like, we Australia, there's been no secrets. They haven't really, you know, yeah. gone wishy-washy with this. From the start, it's been like, no, this this is what we're doing. So, yeah, it just... Uh, it's it's just it, it sucks to it's a sucky situation because i can't feel like i can't really say what i'd like to say right, right now but right, right i'll just leave it at that we'll
1: leave it at that so start off with some two hot messes in the 2022 all right number three uh let's 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 pretend that the first thing that happened what's the best thing phelps that you've watched in the last two weeks because we've had a break like you said we haven't been on the show me and you both love television movies that type of thing we always got something going so um i know you dropped it but just explain it a
0: little bit yeah, Cobra Kai Season 4, I've, I've seen some mixed reviews, and I know Rotten Tomatoes gave it 100% fresh. I'll say, like, like people, the show, what I like about the show, I normally don't like campy, soap opera-y, you know, stuff like this, but Cobra Kai, it leans into what it is. It knows what the Karate Kid movies were. It stayed in the spirit of that. They've gotten the cameos they've gotten from all and all the old actors being back with the new kids. I enjoyed this season. There were some episodes where I'm like, okay, let's go. But the last two episodes for me, oh, can't wait for Cobra Kai season five, which I think comes out later this year already. And then the second one I watched, Brandon, was a true crime, like limited series or documentary, I guess you want to call it. It's like three hour long episodes um, called The Times Square Killer, which was about... um, a killer that was uh, back in the 70s. And I didn't, I knew Times Square used to be like kind of a hot mess, but it was like a legit den of iniquity back in the 70s. Just this really seedy, nasty place, adult stores and sex workers all over. And this guy was kind of just going on a killing spree with people down there. Really nasty case, but I'm a sucker for good true crime docs and I would recommend that one. It was, it was good. And bu- so both of those are on Netflix? Both those are on Netflix. I, I don't know why I haven't watched anything on Netflix in quite a while, but just over break, those popped up for me.
1: Now, uh, Cobra Kai, I'm actually a little bit behind. I just started the first couple episodes of season three, so I'm trying to get caught up for season four. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, when I watch shows, like I like to look at like, continuity airs or like not real life stuff and you know what it bothers me it shouldn't bother me but if you think back to beginning of season three when miguel's in the coma do you remember that he's in a coma yep dude he is not intubated if he was in a coma he would be intubated <laughs> and it, it shouldn't matter whatsoever but was like and then at one point like they have to go like save his life and he's still not intubated like it just it's just it, just it just drew me crazy it drew me crazy
0: yeah, well, that's. I think that's part of what makes that show awesome. Is like they don't even pretend to be tr- like <laughs> no, real to life. No. This is just where this is an '80s movie. Made in present day And that's part of What I love about it Is they don't Like I said They don't even Take themselves seriously They just Here's what we are And we lean into it
1: Okay So what's the last thing I'm going over to Disney Plus actually One of them is more like uh, kiddish, I should say I guess But the Encanto that just dropped Like we watched The first day it dropped And now it's huge Like anytime I go On my TikToks It's just all Encanto stuff Everybody seems to love it Lin-Manuel Miranda Did the music Hit it out of the park It is fantastic My kid is addicted To Encanto music Always wants to put it on, wants to sing it, wants to dance to it. But highly, highly recommend that for adults and anybody. And then we just got through the series of Hawkeye. Highly recommend Hawkeye as well. I know we're not both huge Marvel people, but um, I really like Jeremy Renner, the actor himself. So I really enjoyed that series. And it was well done. It was well done. So those are the two things I recommend.
0: Isn't Haley Steinfeld in that too? She does a really
1: good job. I I only knew her from like Pitch Perfect, (laughs) but uh, she does a really good
0: job. You need to go watch Edge of Seventeen. Mm. Edge of Seventeen is a great movie. Yeah, no, I, I her and yeah. Woody, Har- her and Woody Harrelson, knocked that out of the park. Yeah, that it, was that was one of those like I sat down thinking, oh, this will be okay. It's not really an indie comedy, but yeah. it kind of is, and yeah, fantastic movie. Yeah, so
1: same thing. Her and Jeremy knocked it out of the power. Like their their back and forth together was awesome. So.
0: All right. Good to know. All right. Let's, uh, know. let's
1: move ahead to our college football, I guess, playoff snapshot. So while we were gone, the playoffs happened. Uh, round one, Alabama rolls over Cincy 27-6. to 6, Clunkers. And Georgia cruises past Michigan 34-11. to 11. Besides the scores, I don't have a lot to say about that. It really wasn't that watchable. Do you have anything to say about those games?
0: Yeah, I'm going to give us credit and a pat on the back and uh, let us puff our chest for a minute because – did we not both say we live in Vegas? We're not like great betters by any means. Anyone who pays attention to the show, but we said, like, we did not understand why Michigan was the trendy pick, not just to cover, but to win. Michigan and Georgia were built the same way, but Georgia has better athletes across the board and a better quarterback. What were we missing? And boy, were we, we got a lot wrong, but we
1: were right on that one. Yes, yes. Uh, we're not like a YouTube on YouTube, so nobody can see me doing a little happy dance over here in the, in the screen because I am. Because I'm glad you brought that up because we both picked Georgia and we both said that yeah, everybody was trendy towards Michigan and Georgia blew the covers off Michigan. And
0: we were right. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Uh, so before yeah, we get to, literally, oh, sorry, kind of continue, a clunker, just real quick, just kind of a letdown. You know, there's all this buildup for it's the national semifinals, the college football playoff. Both those games stunk. Like they, like I didn't even watch all of them in their entirety. Either of them.
1: Yeah, and so we'll get to so Monday night, tomorrow night, when our episode drops with Alabama, Georgia, uh, round two for the national finals. Uh, ben, you want to? Uh, you got some stats or anything you want to add to the championship yeah. game?
0: Yeah, so not necessarily like championship games. It hasn't happened very often, but we have had, and this is my numbers here are the four instances where we've had a number one team in their postseason game, whether that's old bull games or the old BCS, uh, where the number one team has a rematch in their bull or postseason game with someone they already played. Four times that that's occurred, and I'm going with AP slash BCS number ones, just FYI. So 1966, Uh, Well, actually, before I get to that, first off, Brandon, what do you think that number one team's record is in these rematch situations? Four times it's occurred.
1: What do I think? Say it again.
0: What do you think the number one team's record is in these instances where they play someone again that they've already beaten in the regular season?
1: Uh, One in three.
0: That's close. Actually, 0 and 4. The team oh. that got beat the first time around is 4 and 0. Okay, so the first instance, wow. 1966, number 5 UCLA beats number 1 Michigan 14 to 12, real barn burner there, uh, after losing 13 to 3 in the opening weekend in East Lansing at Michigan State. That was in the Rose Bowl. 1976 Rose Bowl, number 11 UCLA beats number 1 Ohio State who is 11 and 0. Uh, and beat them handily, twenty-three to ten. After Ohio State beat UCLA in October in the LA Memorial Coliseum. By the way, UCLA was the only team to score more than fourteen points on OSU's defense this year, and they did it twice. Nineteen ninety-seven, memorable for my childhood, certainly. Brandon, but number three Florida beats number one Florida State in the Sugar Bowl, ended up crushing them, fifty-two to twenty. Uh, some crazy things. I'm not gonna to try to go quick on this, but I just wanna go back and look at the how Florida even had a chance to get back in the national title game. First off, they lost the last day of the regular season to Florida State, 24 to 20 in Tallahassee. Okay. So Nebraska then, who I forget if was number one or number two, gets upset in the Big 12 title game by Texas, so they get knocked out of the title hunt. Number two, Arizona State, back then, was still contractually obligated to go play in the Rose Bowl, so they couldn't go play number one, Florida State. They had to go play Ohio State, and they lost anyway. Um, And then... Florida goes and plays Florida State. Spurrier starts using the shotgun, not waiting till the fourth quarter or third down, but their O-line got beaten so badly by FSU the first time around. He runs out of the shotgun for the game. It was 24-20 to in the third quarter. Final score is 52-20. Florida ended up blowing the doors off him, went into the game ranked number three, survived BAM in the SEC title game, and gets a natty out of that. So wow. just crazy, crazy end big. of the year in college football. And the last year, 2012, Nick Saban, who's back in the situation. Uh, number two, Alabama avenged a 9-6 to regular season loss to number one, LSU, winning a 21-0. It was a snoozer of a game. LSU had 92 yards of total offense. Bama kicked five field goals and scored one touchdown in uh, the first and only time in its 14-year history that the BCS title game featured two teams that had previously played that season. So there you go. There's your four instances of a rematch. Number one went down every time.
1: Okay, so first off, kudos to you for doing all that stuff because that's just what you do and that was awesome because it brought us up to history with now the game going on now. So this is the fifth time then that this is happening. And so history is in favor of Georgia then.
0: History is in favor of Georgia. But the Nick saving factor, man. I, I honestly don't know who. I my my heart says Georgia, and my gut doesn't know if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, and we know all know we, these records, man. They're meant to be broken eventually. They're going to get that one team to win both matchups, and so I it, so I was going to go with prediction for you. Uh, Georgia, I think, is favored by two points unless that line has changed that I've seen. Um, but I'm actually I'm going to stick with Bama winning this game. I, I mean, I can see Georgia coming back and winning it, but I'm going to stick with Bama.
0: I I'm gonna say Georgia but I don't know that I actually believe it if that makes sense with Nick Saban on the other sideline that's the thing that's just in my head I don't want to necessarily I, I yeah I don't know oh, never mind I think Bama's gonna win I think Bama will win again <laughs> and not
1: and we both don't want to root for Alabama let's just get that on the record right now but all I'm, right. all I'm hoping for after those first two clunker games I just want to see a game tomorrow night I just want to see something I can enjoy it's close I don't care if it's 14-10 to 10 defense. I just want something that's close and, will, and, and worth watching.
0: I want a reason, because the game starts at 5 o'clock West Coast. I want a reason to rush home from work and to still be watching in the fourth quarter. That's all I want.
1: And uh, do you have basketball tomorrow, my friends? You're coaching basketball right now. Do you <sighs> yeah. have basketball tomorrow? Are you going to be missing some of it?
0: We sure do. I'm going to miss probably the first half, but I'm going to get home as fast as I possibly can.
1: Okay, so that's the last game of the season, obviously, tomorrow night. Uh, just the last couple of weeks, let's just do like one or two shout-outs. I have one shout-out of a game that I watched. Um, I'll go first. So that Ohio State-Rose Bowl game, Ohio State-Utah, man, that was a fantastic game to watch. Ohio State was pretty much down that entire game. They end up winning 48-45. Um, just a ton of points. I think at one point there was like five touchdowns in two minutes. I mean, it was awesome to watch both sides. But uh, shout-out to Jackson Smith. Can you pronounce the name for me? Say that again. Can you pronounce the name for me, Jackson Smith? Who's the Ohio State? Uh, oh, gosh, who? What is that kid's? I, I don't it's know N- that. I can't. N- uh, Ngibba. See. I, I mean, I, I, I'm terrible with last names. Jackson Smith Ngibba. Whatever his last name is. Um, but anyway,s he had himself a day. Fifteen receptions, three hundred forty seven yards, three touchdowns, and you're like. Wow, that sounds like a lot of yards. It was. It broke all sorts of records there. He broke Chris Carter's 1985 school record of 175 yards receiving in a bowl game in the first half alone. He snapped Keyshawn Johnson's 1996 Rose Bowl record of 216 yards. Not just snapped, demolished it. Um, And then he broke Terry Glenn's 1995 single season school record of 253 yards after halftime. And then he broke David Boston's 1998 school record of 1,606 yards receiving for the year. So just like broke four bowl records and, and school records in one day and have yourself a game kid. And it was close and it was good.
0: Well, and let's talk about too, regardless of either of our feelings on Ohio state, like the names you just this is not a program. That's like, Oh, they've had a few receivers. No, this is a program that always has NFL guys playing receiver and good NFL players. So, the names you just mentioned, Chris Carter, David Boston, Terry Glenn, like, man, that's uh, and you're right. It was just, it was insane. The, all of a sudden the back and forth we had uh, shout out to Dalton Kincaid who went to the school, yep. Brandon and I both teach at good for him for Utah getting a touchdown catch there. But yeah, that was, that was exciting to the end. That's what you want out of a bowl game. I Even mean, if you are an old school guy who wants defense, you had to be watching that fourth quarter, go back and forth.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. So is there any game that you want to shout out?
0: Yeah, actually, um, the Fiesta Bowl, uh, the Fiesta. Well, two real quick, the Music City Bowl, Tennessee, Purdue. That that was just. It's not a bowl game that means a whole lot, but it was back and forth. Had a little bit of everything: turnovers, fourth down stops, controversial fourth down stop that ended the game. But Purdue went to overtime. It was forty-eight, forty-five. So it was just constantly back and forth. Those teams putting on a show, and then the Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State's down twenty-eight to seven in the first half, comes back and beats Notre Dame 37-35. So shout out to them. And the fighting Irish. Oh, Brandon, they're now 0-8 in BCS slash New Year's six games since the BCS era started, transitioning to present day. That is by far the most losses of any program in those games in this stretch. The Irish have also lost their last ten major bowl games. Woof.
1: Now, if you're if you're Notre Dame, you've already hired this coach. Uh, to take over, he comes in this bowl game. Notre Dame starts hot, and then they fall apart in the second half, and they lose the game. Do you think they're like, hey, maybe we should open up the coaching search, or are they are they still good with with what they have? <laughs>
0: That is one of the <laughs> toughest places to coach and keep people happy. I mean, your quarterback threw for over 500 yeah, yards, yeah. and you still <laughs> lost, man. So, we'll see. But Marcus Freeman, welcome to the pressure cooker that yeah. is Notre Dame. I
1: felt a little bad for Marcus Freeman. I'm like, oh, he just let that down. And that was, like, literally his first game. And, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> well,
0: and for Oklahoma State, looking, remember how they lost the Big 12 title game. Like, yeah. literally, the running back dives and is yeah. inches short yeah. of the the game-winning touchdown. So, To lose that way and come back and hold on by two in a New Year's Six game, it's not the way they wanted their season to go, but at least a little redemption there.
1: Okay, one last thing college football before we move on. Uh, Keaton Slovis from USC uh, officially is going to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously is losing Kenny Pickett. Do you like that for Pittsburgh?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Pittsburgh showed you that they're a program in the ACC that they can compete. They can get to New Year's Day games. And even uh, without Kenny Pickett, they didn't embarrass themselves against Michigan State. Michigan State ends up winning, but it was a competitive game. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's to get a little stability until you – because a school like Pittsburgh, you're going to have to recruit, Uh develop. You're probably not getting the kid that can step in as a freshman. So, that's a good move for Slovis and Pitt.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good move as well. So, we. We can go ahead and close that box and move on.
0: All right, let's move on to the NFL. What a wild Saturday. We're going to gloss over the games that really didn't mean anything. So we'll start, Brandon, with uh, Bengals-Browns. Nothing really to go on there other than wondering if Baker Mayfield's going to be back next year. Sounds like he is. But the game in terms of this season right here doesn't change really anything for Cincinnati. Burrow was out, so whatever happened in that is whatever who cares um same kind of thing for the Packers and Lions I know David Bakhtiari's back which is huge for Green Bay going to the playoffs but they've got to buy they were just had their starters in for a bit just to get Bakhtiari some snaps get their starters some snaps knowing they have a week off good win for Motor City Dan and the Lions uh Brandon they are I'm sorry did they didn't end up winning did they Lions won, yeah 37-year. They did win. Okay. Yeah. So, Sorry that game literally my TV just shut off. No, so so my but, my
1: question for you Detroit here because Packers played their starters in the first half and the Lions were still winning going into overtime and the Packers put in their second unit and they took the lead but the Lions fought back. Is this like a good moral victory for Week 18 to beat the Packers when they had when they were beating the team with their starters, would you say?
0: If I'm going to answer that with kind of another question. Looking back to the first seven weeks, when I think Detroit was zero and seven before they got that tie at Pittsburgh, if you had told anybody that they were going to finish with three wins and a tie, I think you'd say, yeah. Considering the hand Motor City Dan was dealt, that's that's a successful season.
1: Yeah, I just I, I was watching that game. And I just um, I forget who was on the who was the announcers, but they're kind of talking up uh, Jeff Goff, like he can be your quarterback going forward. I if Detroit's going to have any. Any sort of success, I don't think Goff's going to be your guy. I just, I know you have to get a lot of pieces, and you're not going to just draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback. I get that, but I don't think Goff's going to be your guy in Detroit, though.
0: Probably not, unless they can set something like up like he had for the Rams' Super Bowl run, where everything he needs around him is in place. And the bottom line, the Jared Goff going to Detroit for the Lions is never about getting Jared Goff. It was draft picks. We'll play yeah. out his contract, get yeah. that off our books. So, But some bright spots. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown yep. looks like a guy you want to hang on to. Yep. DeAndre Swift's got some skill. They're D-lines. So things are looking up in the Motor City. But the trouble with that franchise always is, okay, you've got draft picks, but now you've got to do something. Yeah,
1: with and they, them. they really just have to go best person available. No matter if you have somebody in that spot, you need pieces. Don't try to overreach for a quarterback or a wide receiver. Just get the best athlete available.
0: That is what the Ravens have done. And the Ravens, since they've been in Baltimore, yeah. I think have had two two losing yeah. seasons. So yeah. draft best talent available. I completely agree. Uh, Bears-Vikings won. The only thing I have on this, Brandon, uh, is that a game where both coaches are on the sideline for the last time for their respective teams? Naggies can't be back, right?
1: Uh, I mean, I would think so. I mean, Vikings finish eight and nine on the season and with all that talent that they have. I just I don't understand it. I don't understand it. <laughs>
0: I never we say it every it. week. <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense. The roster looks really good, but yeah, they're, they're missing the playoffs. I, I think Zimmer and Nagy are both gone. That's really all, yeah, all I would to, say so. to note there. Um, same similar thing, Washington football team and the Giants. Washington football team, free scary Terry, get a quarterback in there. I think that roster actually has some things to work with, but not until you have stability at the quarterback position for the Giants. Joe Judge, this has this is probably his last game as well, right? Yeah, I
1: heard on the radio that I didn't realize this. That for New York, I guess, I mean, Giants have championship, but. Apparently, the Giants and Jets are the two worst football teams like the last five years. They both have like 22 wins exactly. Um, So, New York is just – they're doing great the last five years in football.
0: Oh, woof. Like, the Giants are kind of an odd franchise. Like, not necessarily their entire history, Brandon, but since we've been on this earth in the early 80s, like, they seem to be – they either have a run where they win a Super Bowl, get deep in the playoffs, and then when they don't get to the playoffs, they are terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it, mm-hmm. It's one or the other with the Giants. So certainly uh, we'll see where they go uh, moving forward. Uh, game, game that who would have thought at the beginning of the year that in week 18, so many teams, their playoff lives are in your hands, dude. The Colts, all you had to do was go beat the Jaguars. And we have nothing really to watch this for the early wave of games. But lo and behold, I'm puffing my chest, Brandon. I said I wasn't a Carson Wentz believer. In our very first episode, I said I didn't think it would be a good move should the Colts make it. They did it. The Eagles are in the playoffs. The Colts aren't. Nothing personal, Carson Wentz. I just I, – I wasn't a believer. And sure enough, 26-11, to 11, they lose to the Jags. My goodness. Yeah. I my goodness. I don't so, know. I mean
1: <laughs> – yeah, Colts, you win. You're in the playoffs. Jag, Jags are 2-14. and 14. Uh, You lose 26-11, to 11, and so you end your season on that loss to Jags. I mean, that's a bad taste in the in your mouth going into the off season, Having to think about for the whole next, uh, I just, that's painful. That is absolutely painful if you're a Colts fan.
0: Oh, well, and now the scenario for them, I'm trying to see. Okay, well, yeah, they're out. They're because out. Because with yeah. that, so it's Baltimore with, with them losing, yeah, yeah they needed yeah. – for the Colts to get in, it w- if they were going to lose that, they would have needed a Chargers loss, a Steelers loss, and a Dolphins win. Well, the Steelers won, so it's all yep. all. I mean, what a how with that? It's just unfathomable that roster just lost to the Jags and missed out on the playoffs. It, Again, that's why they play the games. One note on the Jags, Brandon, uh, sidetrack before we get to the rest of our our results here. The Jags brought in Bill O'Brien to interview this week, the former Texans head coach. Now, here's the thing. O'Brien was maybe the worst GM in the history of the NFL. Not the worst, but bottom five, sure. But as an actual coach, remember... He walked into the nuclear aftermath that was Penn State with the Jerry Sandusky scandal, stabilized that program, kept them afloat, and as far as on the field one loss record in Houston, he actually was a good football coach. Am I crazy? I think this would be a good hire for Jacksonville to bring him in, in the, after the Urban Meyer debacle.
1: Yeah, just don't let him, you know, have like roster decisions. Like don't let him have like no. trading people, draft picks, like don't let him do that. Just let him do like the Xs and Os and like manage games. Just do that.
0: Yeah, I honestly think if they do that structure, that actually is a good move for where this roster's at. All right, Uh, next one. Speaking of those uh, Colts that helped a lot of people today, none more than the Steelers and Ravens, we have another week of Big Ben and apparently another week of Baltimore too because uh, actually I take that back. So here's the scenarios. So the Steelers are in, they won, the Colts lost. As long as the Chargers and Raiders don't tie, they are in which yes. likely won't happen, but as long as Chargers-Raiders don't tie, the Steelers are in. Yes. Um, the Ravens are in. They got the Colts' loss. They need a Chargers' loss, and I believe, did the Dolphins play already today? Or are they playing right now? Because they need a Dolphins' loss as well. So there you go. The Ravens, they need Chargers' loss, and they need a Dolphins' loss or tie. They got the Colts' loss. So they're still alive, but they still need some help. Oh, okay. I thought they, I thought they were out,
1: so— um was the last time the Ravens did make the playoffs because they've made it the last three years, haven't they?
0: Yeah, it's been a bit. I know on the broadcast they said I think it's been since twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen that both Pittsburgh and Baltimore weren't in the playoffs oh,
1: okay, so and Dolphins are up fourteen nothing right now, so
0: yep, so not looking good for the Ravens at the moment, but a lot can still happen Billy B, although it is the Patriots down in Miami, that's always a trap game for them, even going back to the Brady days so. Uh, let's see. The next one I have on the list from the morning, the Titans and Texans. And the only thing to note there is the Titans. Good Lord. All you had to do is beat the Texans. You have the number one seed in the AFC. They're up 21 to nothing. Yeah. and whoo, whoo, They kept that number one seed by the skin of their teeth. Got the 28 to 25 win.
1: I'm telling you, yeah, I think, I think they're getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. But, man, that... If you can just get into the AFC, AFC playoff, I think anything can happen. I don't think there's really one da- – I mean, the, t- the Titans are the number one seed in that, in, that, in that side. I mean, I think anybody can beat anybody in that playoffs. I think it's going to be really good playoffs, and I think anybody can get to the Super Bowl on that AFC side.
0: And I think it is massive for Tennessee to get the bye. You know, some teams, they start sure. getting hot, and they get the – in the past, they get the bye, and then they lose. It's almost like, man, if we just kept playing, we might have been okay. The Titans, though, with Julio Jones – A.J. Brown has been dinged up. Their line is dinged up. King Henry, I think of all teams, the A.F.C. that need a week and could be really good coming off that bye week. That is massive for Tennessee. And like you said, the A.F.C. is wide open. But I think our number one seed just got a lot stronger because they will have a bye. And did you know Tennessee had a top five defense? I didn't realize they were that good this year.
1: Yeah. So yeah, um, or- yeah. That's a, that's a most excellent point from you. Absolutely.
0: All right, now for the late game scenarios here that are playing out right now. We're going to start because there are four teams in the NFC that are probably at least I know the Saints are paying attention to two games at once here. The Saints are playing the Falcons. They are up seven to nothing. The Falcons are eliminated. Calvin Ridley, it's come out that he wants out. I feel so bad for Matt Ryan. This is not the end that he deserves. That franchise is even when it seems like it can't be a bigger mess. Here we go again. Uh, The Saints, by the way, clinch a playoff berth with a win and a 49er loss to the Rams. The Saints are huge Rams fans today. Speaking of 49ers-Rams, that is 3-0 Rams early. But the 49ers can clinch a wild card berth with a win or a tie or if New Orleans loses. So a whole bunch going on there in those two games. And to add more to it, the Rams have not clinched the NFC West yet. They need to win this game today. So that's the best thing for the Saints, that the Rams are interested in this game. Because if they weren't, the Saints would be in a world of trouble.
1: Yeah, a lot more games in the afternoon worth watching than the morning games. are like games that actually matter, right? Dolphins-Patriots matters. Rams-49s matters. Yeah, Rams win the division to win. Also lock up the number two seed as well. Um, Saints have to win. And then obviously Chargers-Raiders tonight is a must-watch game.
0: Well, we can all thank the Colts. The only reason the morning was compelling is because they lost. So we had to keep tabs on Pittsburgh and Baltimore. If the Colts win, none of that matters. So there you go. But you are correct. There's a lot more individual games in action going on this afternoon. We've got Jets, Bills. I'm going to go there next. Not a lot to say on this one. Brandon, really, Jets are the Jets. You mentioned the disaster they are a few minutes ago but buffalo can clinch the afc east division title with a win they're in the playoffs either way but i think for their psychology to say hey new england you're number two now buffalo's the division champs again uh but they clinch that with either a win a patriots loss or if they both tie the bills win the division so buffalo just it's the jets beat the jets and you get the division uh speaking of patriots dolphins uh patriots As I just said, basically the bizarro version of everything with the Bills. They need a Bills loss, they need to win, or they can tie and get a Bills loss. But what are the odds of that happening? Another interesting one out West, Brandon, I want your thoughts on this. First, the easy part, Cardinals can clinch They're playing Seattle in Arizona right now. They can clinch the NFC West with a win and a Rams loss. But maybe long-term, not bigger story right now, the playoffs are a bigger story, but long-term, is this Russell Wilson's last game as a Seahawk?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, good point. Or, or uh, uh, Pete Carroll as well. What's going on with him? Are they going to hang on to him as well with with, with the season that they had? Uh, it could very well be Russ. Russ could be cooking somewhere else next year.
0: How badly does HBO want Hard Knocks to be Seattle with all <laughs> whether they change everything over or everyone's back and we're like, is this going to work? HBO is dying to have Let Hard Knocks in. with Seattle Let us next in. year. <laughs> Uh, then let's see before we get to the Sunday night football, the big one for playoff picture Panthers at bucks, Matt rules going to be back and eh, whatever. Uh, Tampa could technically move to the two seed if they win and the Rams lose. I'm honestly, Brandon, not sure how, where Tampa ends up if they lose and they finish 12 and five along with Dallas and Arizona. If all three of them have the same record, Tampa would have the tiebreaker over Dallas cause they played, but I don't know how the three of them seed out, but just no, that's that's going to be a thing to watch for. Yeah, um,
1: so many extra teams. It's just, bought, it's it's a lot in the head to keep in the head of who ends up where and what seed and home field or not home field. I don't know. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. That's all I know, right?
0: Yeah, Bucks are in the playoffs, and they'll be a factor. That's the main idea here. The Panthers, by the way, are not and probably won't be next year either. Uh, now, big one for us. Uh, you a lifelong Charger fan? Me jumping on. I guess it's a bandwagon as uh, I've moved out west here. But uh, Chargers and Raiders, what more could you ask for for the last televised game of the regular season? Real simple, win and you're in. If the Chargers win, they get a wild card berth. Technically, they would with the tie. Same with the Raiders, although the Raiders scenario needed a little bit more help just to give you some context. They needed, the Raiders need to win or tie, but if they tie now because the Colts lose, that would get them in. Had now, this is where it would have gotten real interesting, Brandon. Had the Steelers lost, the Raiders still could have gotten in uh, with a loss or a tie. No. But, yeah, that's moot point now. So, bottom line, your thoughts on Sunday night football? At least we get one that's compelling. Winning, you're in, what's going to happen? Yeah, I
1: know. Uh, we we joked about them like having some sort of friendly agreement of like, hey, let's just tie and both of us get in. Uh, it looks good for both of us. But we know that. Everybody is super competitive. They want to win. Uh, this is a time where you have the destiny. Both teams literally have control of their own destiny. You're win. You win, you're win, in. You can't ask for more better than that at watching this game um, with, with that of, yeah, I mean, you don't get very many games like this, right, where you're playing the same team and whoever wins is in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and I think for Derek Carr, I think this is a game I'm guessing he's embracing, I'm not saying this, this is a challenge, like, all oh, the pressure's on Carr. Well, of course it is. He's a quarterback. But all the late season failures of the Raiders the last few years, the Henry Rugg stuff, the the back who just got, the corner who just got arrested for a DUI, the guy with a gun on TikTok, all that noise, all that crap, how much would this Calm the noise if Derek Carr goes out there, has the game of his life and the Raiders make the playoffs through this type of season.
1: Yeah, no, it's kinda of a matter of like who who does this mean more for? Does it mean more for the Chargers of like all right, this is Justin Herbert's second year. You only have five years on that rookie deal. If they don't make the playoffs, they're just wasting his talent this year. But they still have that talent next year. They're only gonna—I think—they're only gonna keep getting better with Judge and Herbert. Where the Raiders, okay, if you lose, are you kind of blowing everything up? If you win in the playoffs, does Nick Vance, uh, whoever their interim coach is, you won three in a row, yeah. you get in the playoffs? All of a sudden, is you're a head coach next year? Because if they lose, he's not the head coach. But if they win are they going to make him the head coach? So I think there's I think there's actually more riding on the line for the Raiders to win than the Chargers, but obviously I'm rooting for the Chargers.
0: Well, and I, I agree with you on all those points. The way I, I would – I guess I would sum it up when I say sum it up and I end up rattling on forever. I'll try not to do that. But I think for the Chargers, this would be big. It would be really nice to get a young team, get a taste of success in making the postseason and finishing a season, especially after the disaster losing to the Texans last week or two weeks two ago, weeks ago yeah. but for the Ra- so big for the Chargers this is massive potentially franchise altering not saying they're going to go on and win the Super Bowl but just in terms of who do we see in that building in that facility next year a lot is riding on the outcome of that game tonight in Allegiant Stadium
1: but I think that we can both agree on that if the Chargers get in and they get hot they can legitimately make a run for the for the for the Super Bowl more than the Raiders could
0: I, w- I would agree with that. The Raiders red zone defense is terrible. The Chargers Achilles heel, of course, is going to be the run. The run. Yeah. Can they stop the run? But either way, what, what more could you ask for on Sunday night football? The, the stakes are, couldn't be higher for those teams. Great way to finish the day the day of games oh, here in man. the NFL. man, no, I'm already excited. Now, Brandon, a couple things for you today. There are some records on the line. Uh And I want your thoughts on a couple of these. First one is easy. Steelers have clinched their 18th straight season without a losing record. If you were wondering, that is the third longest streak in NFL history. New England is second on that list and had 19 straight non-losing seasons from 2001 to 2019. Spoiler alert, Belichick-Brady era. The Dallas Cowboys, though, are number one with 21 straight non-losing regular season records from 1965 to 1985. T.J. Watt, Brandon, got the all-time sacks record today. I, I have an asterisk next to this for me. I'm sorry. He had an extra game to do it. I know Strahan far flopped over for the last sack, but it just still feels like they probably need to separate something. Great year for Watt. Nothing to take away from him. He had 20-and-a-half sacks through, or 21-and-a-half sacks, something like that, through 17 yeah, games. An yeah. incredible year. But I, it, it just doesn't feel quite the same, if that makes sense. Right, right. Right. That's um, that's what
1: we're going to get into the extra week. Okay, now that now that records are actually starting to get broken, how does that leave you? For me, it leaves me a little bit dissatisfied too. Of it's, it's same thing with Devontae Adams beating um, Jordan Nelson's uh, record uh, receiving record for the Packers today. It was like if I'm Jordan Nelson, I mean that record's been th- since 2014. If I'm Jordy Nelson, it's like yeah, but you had one more game to do it, you know? Like if I had one more yeah. game, where would I be at? <laughs>
0: Right. Well, in in the same vein, I was going to bring up Cooper Cup that he needs 135 yards receiving to pass Calvin Johnson for that single season receiving yards record. He could also set the all-time record for receptions in a single season with 12. Michael Thomas had 149 catches in 2019, by the way. Like, if he gets those, that's great. It's not not, not a knock on Cooper Cup, but it's like, it's not the same. You had an entire extra game to do
1: it. This is an extra game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Calvin Johnson did that season with 17 games, you forget about how how monster he was every single week that season. I mean, he was. It's the same thing with Randy Moss. We had that 22 touchdown season in 17 games. He was just a monster every game.
0: I am fairly certain I am with many of our listeners and other people who can say I lost fantasy football games because of Calvin Johnson. <laughs> yes, that year. yes, exactly oh goodness all right brandon good stuff on the nfl we're gonna go quick through major league baseball when we get to it so i'm looking at the clock knowing we're running long but it's fine whatever uh let's get happy brandon a lot of stuff to celebrate the holidays are over but hey been two weeks bud what left you feeling satisfied and smiling
1: yeah i'm sure that you've seen this story too of uh, a sports but it's just a good sports story of um the Seattle Kraken assistant uh, equipment manager. On October 34, uh, th- 23rd, Seattle Kraken had their first home game, and his name's Brian Red Hamilton. He goes by Red. He's the assistant equipment manager on the back. A person sitting, a girl sitting right behind them, uh, noses an irregular shaped bowl on the back of his head and, and kind of knocks the glass to get his attention and has on her cell phone like, that mole may be cancerous. Please get it checked out. And he's just lucky enough to be in the business where they have a team doctor so he doesn't have to go anywhere, right? And the team doctor's like, you know, like most people are like, yeah, I'm just going to cut that out. I'll biopsy it for you. Do you mind having a scar? He's like, no, not at all. So he does it, and it came back to be melanoma, which is the skin cancer you do not want. And if you leave alone, can get deeper into your skin and, you know, all of a sudden cause crazy cancer. And he went to another specialist and said, you know, it's, if you ignore that for four to five years, you wouldn't be around uh, for very long. So shout-out to just a good story of a fan on the bench noticing this. Obviously, it was something that his wife wasn't even noticing. So if he didn't get the attention of this girl, who knows how much longer he would have gone before getting this checked out. So obviously, they gave her you know some sort of scholarship and helped her out, all this good stuff. But it's just a good feel, good story in sports of, like, man, that was really cool. Human kindness is really cool. It was cool that that happened. And this girl pretty much saved this guy's life. I mean, it wasn't, like, immediate. Like he said, it wasn't... It wasn't like he was burning in the car. It was a slow burn, though.
0: Yeah, no, and I, you know, it's one of those things. I think of you know Rex Chapman tweets stuff out a lot, and one of the things he tweets out often are videos of people doing nice things. With and you know, he usually just says. It costs $0 to be a good human being. So kudos to this woman for going out of her way to get his attention on the glass. Because this was in a game, by the way. Yeah. In a game, yeah. she knocks on the glass, got his attention. Uh, just one of those stories were all around. There's not a bad part to this. It's, just, it's, it's great. It's awesome. Awesome story. Right. Uh, so awesome when I think of awesome smiling story. and
1: satisfied, that left me smiling and satisfied.
0: And that's what the bit is all about. Now, for me, I'm going to go back to the Antonio Brown saga, but not for the reason you think. We talked about, we know it's taken yet another weird turn for Antonio Brown and his career and his life. Brown turned on Brady, which doesn't make sense from us to the outside, but to be fair, we don't know what's going on internally, and that's not what this is about. What has me feeling satisfied and smiling this week is that throughout coverage of Brown's latest meltdown, I've heard and read so many different stories, pieces, lots of content on how this is all going, but what I have heard mentioned in almost every single one of them is Let's hope that his mental health is okay and that if it's not, he gets the treatment he needs. So why am I feeling satisfied and smiling about this? No one's condoning the behavior, but I appreciate that many have mentioned that they hope Brown gets help and we are normalizing talking about mental health and the stigma of you're weak because you've got this is going away, and that leaves me very satisfied.
1: Yes, yes. All men in that, and I've heard that too, a lot of mental health, mental health, and just talking about it, so it's like you said, normalized. It's a normalized thing. It's not taboo. It's I can't believe you mentioned mental health. That is just a normal topic and conversation that we can have because it's an important one.
0: And it's everybody from other podcasters, Tom Brady and his press conference, um, people, you know, Ian Rappaport, Everybody involved has mentioned it, and that's that's the important thing that it's getting normal to talk about it and to get treatment for it. Okay, let's go next. It'll be a real short segment this week, folks. Makes me sad because this podcast exists because Brandon and I are baseball fans. Our logo is a baseball. Our name is based on baseball. So what's the latest news in Major League Baseball? not much. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on Valentine's Day. If you believe that, you are way more optimistic than I have ever been at any point in my life. Uh, I don't think see that happening. There's going to be a delay uh cuz there's been zero movement and then we'll be lockout. Brandon, there's no think- chance this thing starts on time, right?
1: Uh no, I mean there's literally been no talks, right? There's literally it's just radio silence. Like there's been no meetings whatsoever.
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing. So Hopefully we find that the players and owners are meeting soon and getting this thing hammered out. But uh the only thing I have to report only things I got three of them for you this week, Brandon. Uh Eric Chavez, remember third baseman, most uh played for several different teams, but people should know him probably from the Moneyball A's that era. Um Great third baseman. Unfortunately, his career effectiveness was cut short by injuries. Uh, prime was good, but short. But anyway, he had been a special assistant to GM Brian Cashman and Billy Epler with the Yankees since 2015. Uh, he was It was announced on December 21st that Chavez would become the assistant hitting coach for the Yankees. But... The Mets swooped in and have now hired Chavez to be their hitting coach trying to jumpstart an offense that was simply not good, 13th to 15th in the National League. And runs scored last year. The Mets, Brandon, have brought in Starling Marte, Mark Canna in the outfield, and then Eduardo Escobar. To me, these are all moves. If two players that should probably be worried on that roster, Dominic Smith and Jeff McNeil, certainly looks like this is kind of now there's other people around and they could be expendable. You good with the Chavez hire as a hitting coach? I know oh, it's not man. a great this, this, thing to a guy.
1: This is where we're at cause we have no baseball. We're talking about the Mets stealing Eric Chavez from the Yankees to be their hitting coach because we have nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. Um, uh, I always didn't even didn't know what Eric Chavez was doing. I didn't know he was relevant. So, I mean, good for him. I know the Mets said that they wanted um, a hitting coach with MLB experience, and Eric Chavez is a hitting coach with MLB experience.
0: And the other side of this, I've read a couple things that he has managerial aspirations, so it would make sense to bring in an older manager like Showalter if it goes good with Chavez, when Showalter is steps down or is fired, then maybe Chavez can step in. Uh, next thing, uh, Kyle Seeger officially has retired. Yeah. 11 years in Major League Baseball, all with the Mariners. Yeah. His 242 home runs were good for fourth in Mariner history behind Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr. When you, whether you look at fan graphs or baseball reference, Seeger's war total is fifth in Mariners history. Probably a candidate for better than you remember. Not Hall of Fame worthy, but... Had a great career. Seeger, Brandon, this is the part that legitimately hurts me. He played 1,480 games, all with Seattle. That's fourth all time for that franchise. And he set the Major League Baseball record for games played with one team with no postseason appearances. Like that. I don't know the guy. I've never heard a bad word about him, though. A moment I will always remember from the 2021 season is Seeger walking off the field. That last game in Seattle, they lost tears in his eyes you could tell that emotion was real he wanted to be part of ending that playoff drought in Seattle for what it's worth I wish he would have gotten there and I feel for him that he never got the chance to represent the Mariners in postseason play so great career Kyle Seeger.
1: Yeah, great career. Um, When I saw that, I was actually a little bit upset. I was a little bit sad about it, though, because um, I knew that the Mariners weren't going to re-sign him. He's getting a little bit older. He still had a good season. I mean, he hit two twelve, but the pop was still there, 35 home runs, 101 on the RBIs. he definitely gone to an American League team, does some dh some third baseman. He could still play. He could still play, and I just just think that he didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to finish his career with the Seattle Mariners. He knew he wasn't coming back, but he still had value, and I was hoping he'd go somewhere and get that chance to finally get some postseason taste.
0: Yeah, I know, and it was no shock that the Mariners opted out of it. They had a team option that was $20 million yeah. on his contract. Yeah. You're not going to pay that, no. but would have been kind of cool to see him come back maybe on a discount as a role player, especially if Seattle makes the playoffs this year, but I think he's one of those guys that when that drought ends, you look back and go, Hey, that's one of those guys that helped write the ship in that franchise. You never heard a bad thing about Kyle C never. I thought maybe he
1: might go, you know, take a take a diluted contract and go play with his brother for a year, you know, like have a little brotherly love. Like I thought that might have happened.
0: Yeah, that would have been kind of cool too. And then the last thing, Brandon, just Major League Baseball being Major League Baseball, Ken Rosenthal, phenomenal reporter. To me, he's up there with Jeff Passan. If you're talking the most credible people in terms of breaking baseball stories, it's Rosenthal and Jeff Passan, and it's really not close. Uh, Rosenthal, uh, his not MLB.tv, that is different than MLB Network, but MLB Network did not renew his contract in large part because Rosenthal told the truth. Uh Rosenthal, along with Evan Drelich, published a story in The Athletic detailing for the first time the specific allegations for the Astros and sign sealing scandal. Calling Major League Baseball out for not dealing with it. According to the New York Post, Andrew Marchand, uh, he reported that MLB's decision to not renew the contract stems from Rosenthal's cr- 2020 criticism of Rob Manfred, that's the baseball commissioner, and MLB's failure to reach a timely and satisfactory agreement. Because remember, the hang-up of getting back to play at the height of the pandemic was the owners didn't want didn't didn't want to pay the players it's just like, guys, get it going. Rosenthal is critical of that. And then the last thing was that <laughs> Rosenthal wrote in a piece uh, that the best in that same piece, I just referenced quote the best commissioners often offer statesmanlike presence and superior vision, few ascribe to those qual- few ascribe those qualities to Manfred, and few would argue that baseball is in a better place since he took over for Bud Selig on August fourth two thousand and fourteen so Rosenthal has never made it a secret he doesn 't trust Manfred. But, Brandon, are we firing people for telling the truth now?
1: Yeah, even so. I thought we were, like, guaranteed by freedom of uh, speech. Uh, it wasn't like he was cursing at him or or, or going about it. in a. a Ken Roosevelt is a very professional. I feel like when you're in, in charge of a business like baseball or football, like, any decisions you're made, you're going to get criticized a little bit. Like, people are going to talk about it. I didn't think anything he said was was untrue or, or doable for him to be like, no, we can't support you because Rob Manford doesn't like it. It's just – it's just an unfortunate situation to me uh, with that.
0: Yeah, And unfortunately, it's not a, not just a free speech thing. MLB is a private yeah. enterprise. They didn't fire him over it. They just they didn't renew the contract. But, of course, baseball has a credible, a true professional that puts out great content, called the league out for incompetence when it was warranted. So what they do instead of embrace it and be transparent and fix things, they fired him to silence it. It's just, just stupid. You'll still see Rosenthal on Fox MLB broadcast. He still works there. But just to, once again, another tone-deaf move from the powers that be in Major League Baseball.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with that. It's just too bad. Now, people are going to be uh, afraid to speak out against any sort of commissioners of fear of not letting their contract
0: be renewed. Yep, just stupid. Just stupid is what it is. All right, speaking of – this is a good – look at this, almost professional-like. Good segue in. Brandon and I are fired up about uh, this Rosenthal-Manfred stuff. Brandon, what else grinds your gears this week?
1: Yeah, I'm going back to the college football playoff because, as we both mentioned, they were just duds of a game. I woke up, and I was excited about the college football playoffs because those games mean more than just bowl games nowadays because it takes you to that next level, of being a national championship game. And I was ready for them, and it just is like Bama Cincy – didn't watch it after halftime. Georgia, Michigan, let's go. Didn't watch it after halftime. It just left a bad taste <laughs> in myself. And then maybe to a point thinking of, you know what? Maybe we should have expansion. Maybe we should have six or eight teams and get some at least better games that mean something. Of, if you win, you're moving on. in some better games than just having two clunkers. And now we have a national championship game. Uh, it just it, it didn't give me what I wanted in my spirit, Ben. It didn't give it to me. Maybe give me some more games that matter.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with expansion, and this will never happen. But again, we're we're preaching player safety, and we're adding more games. So get rid of the conference title games, go back to an 11-game season, and expand the field. That's what I'd do if I was commissioner of college football. But you lose money doing that, so we won't ever do that. We'll <laughs> yeah. just do more, 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 yep. regardless if the kids are safe on the field or not. But, yeah, I agree with you. Those were clunkers, awful day of games, l- huge letdown. Especially, I feel like Cincinnati did their – like. They hung in. I didn't think they were totally overmatches. Their O-line. Their O-line didn't stand up. Defense did a pretty good job. Michigan, though, what a letdown. What a letdown after finally getting over the Ohio State bugaboo and then that. (laughs) Yeah, then that. All right. What what has me a little fired up this week, real short and simple, uh, it's getting back on schedule after a holiday break. And I know I sound like this is completely hashtag first world problems. I just had two weeks off from school, but you get this joyous schedule of staying up later than you should, sleeping in longer than you should, eating and drinking more than you should. You kind of forget what day it is because time doesn't really matter between Christmas day and New Year's day. And then that first week of work hits you like a sack of bricks. A lot of this is simply realizing that I'm old and I do not bounce back and change gears as easily as I used to. So maybe it's not even going back to work. That's certainly part of it. Maybe it's just me getting old that grinds my gears.
1: The uh, and, and for people doing know, yeah, we're teachers. Everybody knows that. I think. And thank goodness we went back and started on a Wednesday because it's still like I was still getting back into the grind of things on uh, Friday. Like it took me three days to like get back into it. And it's like, okay, I need a little break before we start tomorrow again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's nice to start midweek instead of going back on a Monday without a doubt. Um let's uh wrap things up here. Brandon, what do you got for us with? trivia yeah dude i got like
1: real trivia this time so just stats that i'm gonna um uh trivia you my friend with because you know um everything is changing names like lakers is now crypto.com right so things are always changing so i'm gonna throw some stadium names at you and i want you to guess who plays there so i have five right now to start off with uh with this okay so i think that you might get one or two but i don't think you're gonna get all these because the names are just i mean it's crazy what we're coming to right okay so first off guaranteed rate field who plays there uh, Chicago White there Sox. There we go. Boom. Guaranteed rates to field. Chicago White Sox. Smoothie King Center.
0: Who plays at Smoothie King Center? Oh, my gosh. Is that? It's not the Cavs' new arena, is it? No, it is. It was it, quick it is and low. Basketball.
1: basketball is the genre here. It's oh. not the Cavs.
0: Orlando Magic?
1: No, New Orleans Pelicans plays at Smoothie King oh, okay. Center. Okay. Okay. So you're in the right the ball, the, the right King. genre though, because this is just all over sports. Who plays at KFC Yum Center?
0: That is that's University of Louisville. That's their basketball. Oh, arena, I right? didn't think
1: you were gonna get that one. Louisville basketball. Nice, dude. KFC Yum Center. That's awesome. Um, I think you can get this one. <laughs> Who plays at
0: Talking Stick Resort Arena? Talking Stick Resort Arena. <laughs> Um, is that is that like the Florida Panthers? Somebody like that? Nope it it's uh it's basketball. It's Phoenix Suns and Mercury.
1: Talking Stick is like the Indian Reservation over Uh, there. Okay. Okay. And and then lastly, who plays at Welcome Stadium? The name is Welcome Stadium.
0: Welcome Stadium. I have, I have not the slightest idea. Dayton football, and it's called Welcome Stadium. Not just be nice to <laughs>
1: welcome you, but it's named after some longtime person who worked there. His last name was Welcome, so that's why it's called Welcome Stadium.
0: All Dayton right, football. the date, go, fl- go Flyer football man.
1: So there you go. So maybe we'll do this again with stadiums because stadium names are just with the rights and who's paying for things. You never know who's playing anywhere nowadays.
0: We should do that. That that was fun. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I'm disappointed. I only got two of them, but. That was good. I thought That's that was way challenge. better. I'm
1: surprised you got the uh, the KFC Yum Center. That one, I, I will always pin that to you. That's pretty good. I had no idea.
0: I, I feel like I only knew that because of watching Louisville basketball. At some point, the ad was on the floor, and I was like, really? But Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. so there you go. Exactly. exactly. There you go. All right, well, that is our show for the week. Remember to hit us up on Twitter at the NRI Podcast. We'll be back next week, hopefully with more baseball news to discuss, but we're not holding our breath on that. We have NFL playoffs kicking off, so once again, a lot to discuss football-wise. As always, we thank you for listening. The show doesn't work if we don't have listeners, so likes, shares, word of mouth, spread the word. Let's get those downloads back up. Brandon, good to be back with you this week. Awesome. Take us out, my friend. Awesome.
1: Go watch the college natty. Watch the NFL playoffs. And I promise you, we will be getting talking about NBA more often when um, all this football stuff ends. Other than that, have a great week, everybody. We love
0: you. Peace.